is going on guys welcome back another episode of the drive time podcast it is the 27th of the 9th as i sit down to record this and i have a special guest his debut on the podcast hopefully one of many it is colin also known as the fm yank hello sir how's it going it's going good how are you not bad how's life in the united states it is a pleasant early fall day here today fantastic um, hopefully in time we'll we'll talk some MLS, we'll talk some um, New York Red Bulls. It might not happen today, but we might save it for the playoffs, for example, which is slowly coming up. Yeah, I'm excited about the uh, the prospect of a Red Bulls NYCFC conference semifinal, which will be pretty interesting. But no, in my new neck of the woods this week is the um, USL playoffs start this weekend and Friday night. The Rochester Rhinos open up against the Charlotte Independents up here. So, new stuff. The question is, will you be there? Um, you know, thinking about it. Haven't quite made up my mind, but thinking about I it, I think it would be rude not to go. Well, we'll see what the uh, we'll see what the the schedule allows. Which means they'll see what the missus says. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll get talking. We'll get talking some football, and I think all topics got flung out the window basically this week when today Sam Allardyce left as England manager. Now, fair play to him. 100% record as manager, Colin. Well, statistically, you don't have enough of a sampling to say it was you know, one way or the other. Um, yeah, I, I, so if you haven't followed the articles, I, I think right move. He's He had to leave. Either he was going to get fired or not. I think he's in some serious trouble over you know, what he was doing. You, know, you can argue that this is just one more example of corruption in... in Football, at least at the international level, I'm sure the same thing. He was doing the same crap at the club level. So, you know, it, it's a problem sort of universally. I think, to be totally frank, I thought it was an absolutely asinine move for the English FA to bring him in in the first place. I think he plays an awful brand of football that, to me, is great if your club is in serious relegation issue and you're just trying to hang on. I wouldn't put it at the international stage and try and win major trophies with it. I think it's um, in terms of his style of play. I actually think is what England needed because they've had they've had the issue where there doesn't seem to be an identity. We just kind of seem to turn up and play very poorly, and then then go away and say next time we'll do better. Don't worry, next time it's always next time. But then I suppose you look at it. He's one and only. He's one and only game. It. Um, he didn't change anything, Colin. He went in with the exact same team. Um, well, I mean, it, to be to be fair, how long did he really have between when he was appointed and when that first game was to sit down and and really do anything? Right. I, I think he was he was pretty handcuffed. You know, this was the cycle where if you were going to see something out of him, you probably were going to see the start of it of what whatever his ideas were. Um, my guess is going into the October piece here, you're going to see some of it because you're just you're a little late in the game to shift gears and especially going into a bunch of, you know, some competitive qualifiers for the World Cup and some friendlies. Um, it's it's a little it's a little bit odd to to try and hammer the gears uh, on this one at this point. I think it would have been nice just to have seen some change, especially after how dreadful some players were during the Euros. I think no matter how well Sterling has 
continued un- under Guardiola. There's no way he should have been starting that match. Um, so it was a bit frustrating. But um, we talked about the past now. Um, we'll go back to obviously everything that's happened. So it was a sting operation by the Telegraph. Um, now this is what frustrates me as well. Seeing today is a lot of people jumping on the media saying they've basically gone for gone for blood. Um, and he's basically took the took the bait. Um, now I would actually say this is why I love the English media because they they do always look for a story. They always looking for something. But the fact they dig so deep, the fact of how they were leading the charge towards FIFA, the fact they they go to these lengths in terms of getting Allardyce over to Singapore and kind of kind of um, exposing this situation. At the end of the day, if Allardyce wasn't doing anything wrong, there would be no story. So the fact he was so happy to go there, the fact he was so happy to talk about how you can get round these rules with third-party ownership and stuff and talking about how he signed Valencia from, um, from Mexico and he had a third-party ownership and they got around it and how he can get people around FA rules and stuff. I don't know what your thoughts are, Con, but as far as I'm concerned, if they do nothing wrong, then there's nothing to worry about. If they're doing something wrong, they deserve to be caught. Yeah, I have absolutely no issue with the the sting, the investigation, the investigative journalism. I think the worst that happens is that, you know, the Telegraph wastes its money. And they send some guys to Singapore to have a meeting with a guy that disappears and never turns into anything. Um, so the worst that happens is they waste money. Um, the best thing that happens is is that this continued push for transparency in world football, you know, gets another step. I think it's it's incredibly important that a European entity, um, you know, a journalistic entity, has taken a a, a very visible lead in helping to drive uh, this sort of transparency. You know, I think England, it's you know the biggest league in the world. It's one of the more visible and well-supported nations on the world scene. So this kind of transparency, transparency and pressure on the FA um, at this level, I think, is only a good thing. Um, you know, maybe it makes a few more guys think twice that maybe they shouldn't be doing something stupid. Um, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's sort of all you can really hope for is that, you know, people try not to, you know, that people think before they do something dumb, uh, in this case. Exactly. I think it's just, um, I think it's good that it's been, it's been found out because then if this has been going on, the fact that he, during this recording, he talks about, yes, well, I've done this and I've done that and players have done this, players have bet against their own team, players have done that. Um, it should be getting brought forward, and the question is how many other managers know that this kind of thing is going on. Maybe they're not directly involved. Maybe they are not um, joining in the negotiations with um, players who have third-party ownership. But if they know it's happening, they should be speaking up. And the likes of Allardyce should be saying, well, look, I don't want that player from Mexico. That player from Mexico, his agent should be reported because of this situation. Um I mean, living over in in the U.S. Colin, you're obviously bordering Mexico. Is this a 
is this a common thing? Does third party ownership happen in the MLS? Is it allowed? Is it allowed anywhere in the world now? I mean, I assume it must be because it seems very ripe in South America, especially. Um, so it's MLS is a complex situation. So I guess you can argue that in theory, MLS is the third party owner to all of the players in the league. Um, it has a lot to do with the complexities of how the league is structured to deal with U.S. antitrust laws and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in and of itself, no, it doesn't exist. Um, I'm I'm not as familiar with Mexico. Would it surprise me? No. Um, you know, just on reputation, it you know, it, it along with the South American leagues, there is some, you know, there's some funky backdoor deals. Now, am I going to sit here and you know throw shade across the entire league? No, because I'm not enough of an expert, but. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked to say, uh, or I wouldn't be shocked in the least to say, yeah, it's out there and and happening on any real level in Liga MX. Oh. I think it's um, it's one of them situations. It needs it needs sorting out because is there, is there an issue with third party ownership? I I don't understand why it would be an issue. Yes, a club owns. Also, if you buy a player, you need to understand what you're buying. But if uh, a group owns a group of players, and then the the player himself, then you've got the club. I mean, it's a tough situation. I mean, in my opinion, I have no no issue with it. But then I, I don't really have a reason to have an issue with it. I can yeah. understand why why leagues are saying, look, it needs to be concrete. If the club buys the player, the club owns the player, the club owns his contract, not the club owns a percentage and then another guy owns a percentage. I can understand why they say, look, we need clarity here, so it's one way or the other, not between three people, but I mean, I just don't see an issue, Colin. Well, uh, so from a CONCACAF perspective, so I, I'm, you know, I'm in a FIFA region that has enormous match-fixing problems. Um, you know, Guatemala, Honduras, you know, that, that whole area is, you know, the gold cup is notorious for match fixing out accusations and things like that. So to me, third party ownership is sort of the gateway drug into that space, right? You've now got a player who has some level of an allegiance to himself, you know, or, or his agent, um, and some level of allegiance to, the club and now there's this third party that's got some non-trivial voice in his ear saying hey you know this isn't best for you know all of us i can make more money throw this game don't do this you know i don't like this club i don't want you to be there so don't play hard for them and and you know if something does or doesn't happen you're just creating an air of doubt in the whole thing which to me is is almost more dangerous than the actual, you know, than actual match fixing is the sort of the black cloud that hangs over that it may or may not be happening. So I think abolishing the, the third party ownership so that it's a clear look when, you know, when a player's transferred, it's to the club that there isn't that <clears throat> not to say, and I'm not going to say that I'm naive enough to say that there's not that extra influence there, but it greatly cuts down, right? It's, it, it takes away the incentive to say, you know, that financial hold over a player where it's, 
you know, I can make a lot more money and by virtue, I'll kick you a bunch of extra money if you go and do this, right? If, if somebody has no stake in the game, um, whereas if you've got a chunk, you know, let's say I own, you know, 25% of you and I say, look, I want you to go and be, you know, junk for Biekerheim because I think if you're lousy, we can get you on the cheap in terms of transfer fees to, you know, Molda and they'll throw us big agent fees and bonuses if they can get you on the cheap from the club and the money they would have spent on you because you were playing well um, will go to us instead and then I'll kick you you know a few percent back right that kind of thing needs to be out of the game and I think the elimination of third-party ownership goes a long way to helping that um, does it completely eliminate it no but at least it it makes that kind of thing a little harder or at least less weighty but at least I've got an excuse for playing crap now there you go too bad I don't know. Too bad I don't own twenty five percent, and I'm not talking to Mulder. <laughs> um, now, before we come back over the pond um, from yourself, we'll keep talking about your area just for a second, and um, it's the fact that Swansea have started really, really poorly in the Premier League this year. Now, to be fair to them, they held out Man City longer than any other club has this season. So, well done there. They still lost the game, but well done. Um, but former US boss Bob Bradley has been linked with the Swansea job if um, they release the manager. What's your thoughts on that? Will he cut it in the Premier League? Uh, so, for those who aren't familiar, Bob is probably one of the best coaching products the US has ever produced. Um, he, um, Bruce Arena at the club level, um, are some of the best elder statesmen of U.S. coaching. Um, you know, Caleb Porter and some, you know, uh, Jason Christ are some of the younger guys that are now sort of, you know, Jesse Marsh now holding that banner up. But um, I was always amazed that no U.S. coach has ever managed in a top five league in Europe. Um, Bob had fantastic success in Norway. I think he, he did some really impressive things um, getting into the Europa League. Um, he had a very, very good season with Laharve last year. Um, off to a little bit of a rocky start this year, but they had a very, very good season and, and missed out, I believe, in the playoffs to get into, I think they missed by a goal, um, to get into Ligue, Ligue 1 um, this year. Uh, and that's quite the club. So I think he has he has all the tools to be successful um, at a club like Swansea. I think it would be very interesting to see because he has a very hybrid mentality. If you watch, you can see um, some of the more possession-oriented, uh, more style influences of European football as well as a much more physical... Um, athletic American um, blend into it. So I think it would be a very interesting mixture to put into the Premier League. I think he'll suffer a little if he does go um, like Klopp sort of had with Liverpool season one, where the team and the players and the physical conditioning um, may not be totally right for him out of the gate. But a full summer transfer window could make a very, very interesting proposition. I think it's definitely something we're going to have to keep an eye on, see exactly what happens there. Um, staying in the Premier League, I think I have saw the most funny story I think I've seen in quite a long time, and it definitely shows how the money in the Premier League has gone insane. Um, so, Chelsea are linked with their new defender, Colin. 
mm-hmm. Burnley's Michael Keane. Um, so straight away you think, weird deal. <laughs> Slight, slightly weird deal. Then you see that they are set to launch a twenty-five million pound bid for Burnley's Mike. I bet Burnley have seen this and thought, "Oh my days, please come on, come on, come on." We're so, so if I'm a, if I'm Burnley, I swear to God, I would break the you know I would grab that money so fast. There's a good chance I'd break the hand of the guy giving it to me. <laughs> um, yeah. We talked a little bit earlier. I think it's baffling. Um, one, you're not going to get them until January. So by the time you bring him in and do anything with it, he's probably not useful until February. At that point, you know, you've got March, April, and a couple of games in May. I, I doubt they're going to be salvaged. Um, I, I think this is another continuation of baffling defensive transfers coming out of Chelsea. I thought the David Luiz buy, if I was Paris Saint-Germain, I was doing backflips to the bank because they got rid of a, a complete headache on that front. Um, I mean, He just can't play your, defense. What's your, thoughts? what's your thoughts on... I mean, Chelsea got walked over by Arsenal. Um, they started the season poor. Conte is not using any tactical... Ideas at all, which I've seen saw him use with Italy or Juve. He's not gone with the three at the back. He's not gone with wing backs. He's not gone. It's. I mean, it's obviously Terry's out, Zuma's out. So that's definitely hampering the three at the back idea. But you can't play two at the back with um, David Luiz as one of them. I mean, it's it's just makes no sense, and they just look so lacklustre at the minute, Colin. I mean. Are Chelsea really heading for another mid-table finish? I think season one, yes. I think they're at, they're definitely going to seventh, eighth. You know, if they can challenge for a Europa League, I think it's a good season for them at this but point. Why? Why is uh, a club which so has the, been challenging suddenly become a mid-table side? So the only th- well, I think one there's they're behind on the transfer space. Um, you know, you you looked at it, right? So if John Terry's a guy, and I I love what John Terry's done for the game, but at this point, you can't be looking at him as a routine starter. You went out and brought David Luiz back. Um, I can't in a hundred lifetimes think that Conte was all over that transfer. That's absolutely not a player that he would go for. Um, if you follow what he picks, what he picked in Italy, what he used in in Juve, that is not his kind of player. Um, so the only thing I can think of is Abramovich's hand is stronger in the team at this point than we, than you know I think we gave it either gave it credit for or realistically thought it was. Um, and there must be some external control. Um, I'm surprised. I really, really thought, and I was actually looking forward to. Um, him coming in and bringing that three five that that really incredible three five two style system into um, the Premier League to see how it was going to fit against you know Pep's more interesting dynamic you know short passing sides and and Mourinho and and Klopp's press I I was really interested to see what this just incredible diversity of tactical thought in the Premier League was going to be and I- I'm disappointed I think he's gone with a very vanilla you know style that's just not working but i i just i'm not willing to pin it all on him i think that there's got to be an external influence in in there um on him 
I'm holding out hope. Well, so far, Pep Guardiola's turned up and he's just realised that the Premier League is actually quite simple. Yeah, I'm... I'm not sure that Pep having the season he's having so far is the best advertisement for the Premier League is the best league in the world. Um, <clears throat> I would have, exp you know, okay, fine. You can argue that United aren't exactly fully up to snuff. Um, Chelsea's clearly not playing there. I think the first time we see Man City and Liverpool go at it, that may be the first real test um, that Man City's going to take. Okay, yeah, Swansea took him deeper than anybody else has taken him, and I'm sure that that bothered Pep. That you know that a mid-table, low, you know, bottom half of the table side gave him a run. Um, but I think Liverpool is realistically the first serious challenger that we're going to see if there's a crack that can be made in in Man City. But it doesn't look like anybody else is really ready to challenge them. No, it's. Um... People need to pull the fingers out, I think is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think to, to end tonight's podcast, Connor, I just want to go back to England. Um, and I want to ask you, who do you think is the best option to look at at this early stage? Is anyone standing out when you first think, right, this is who should be manager? So I will advocate for the same guy I thought should have got the job in the first place. I think Eddie Howe is absolutely the right choice for England. The question is, is it a good move for him? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I think he's he's obviously got a very good thing going at Bournemouth. I think this year is going to be a very difficult season for them. So if I was him and I had an opportunity, you may be able to, and it's it's still early enough in the season where you may be able to get out of that club to your next job without being tarnished by a, um, you know, a relegation per se, as it being sort of your fault um, and, and really move on. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he plays a brand of football that is a very attractive and B, um, conducive to the international level and would be um, far more interesting to watch with a higher caliber of player than he's got going at Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth are a very entertaining club to watch, but to really get a an international caliber level of players playing in um, his sort of open, free-flowing system would be, I think, a lot of fun to watch and very, fairly successful. So um, I really think that the FA should give him a very serious look um, but, you know, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, they, I, I don't imagine they're going to make too many moves, you know, given the timing of it now, but maybe for the, you know, the next cycle after, you know, the, the, the spring cycle. Yeah, you can guarantee. I, for some reason, I just feel it's going to be Gareth Southgate. And I think it's going to be the most stupid move possible. Well, actually, no, the most stupid move would be Alan Pardew. Um but you never know what's going to happen. I mean, the FA are pretty clueless, so it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see who they actually decide. It's going to be somebody stupid. I think the the common sense, in my opinion, move would be somebody like Harry Redknapp, um, who's a motivator, who... Well, at least you have some experience with him. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's, he's a known quantity. Yeah, you're, yeah, Harry would be a... I, I, he, he's a safe pick. Um, he's not going to drive the program forward. He's not going to advance you. He's not going to, you know, push you over the edge or, you know, 
jazz the place up and take some risks to getting you, you know, at, at major trophies. I think he's a safe guy. He can stabilize the ship. He can, you know, get you collectively moving to, you know, moving in the right direction. He's not going to freak anybody out or, uh, you know, bother any major personalities. Another outside bet is, um, where's Andre Villas-Boas managing at the minute? I don't think I'm, he's anywhere. I think he left I Zenit. Uh, I, thought I thought that. And if he's left and he's currently unemployed, he's young, he's um, hungry. I I mean, there's worse people out there. It's definitely an outside option. Um, so I'd be quite curious to see still... if he does get a chance. Yeah, he's he's currently unemployed. He, the end, last season he left. At the end of the season, he left Zenit. Get him in. Get him in. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, let's just see what they it, decide. It's an interesting with. thought, but yeah, um, not one I had thought of. There we go. See, throw that curveball in there to end. But I want to <laughs> thank you for coming on, Colin. Appreciate it. No, no problem. Thank you for having me. I want to thank people for listening. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a like. Please subscribe. Please leave a review on iTunes, etc. Helps us in the charts. And I will see you next time as we continue to ramble about some football. <laughs>